Welcome to episode 19 of About Nashville. I'm Mike Rogers, and you have just entered my demented world of the podcast that I have created. Um, how was your weekend, everybody? How you feeling? Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there celebrating all over this weekend. Um, hang on, everybody. Fasten your seatbelts. Today's guest just celebrated his first Father's Day. We have on the show today comedian, actor, podcast host, Tom Segura. Uh, you may know Tom Segura from his uh, Netflix comedy specials. Uh, the first one, I think, aired in 2014. It was called uh, Completely Normal. And the next one uh, aired this year. It's called Mostly Stories. Uh, you may have even seen or heard him on his own uh, podcast. Uh, it's called Your Mom's House. Now, he does that with his wife, Christina Pazitsky, uh, who is also a comedian. Uh, I, when in the interview, I just I kept calling it Your Mother's House. So I was like, yeah, in your podcast, Your Mother's House. Uh, I was just, it was so, so I, would, I, couldn't, I could never get it right. I was just a goofball. He's also he's shooting a pilot for a, a, a new TV show. Uh, and we tried to talk about that a little bit, but we didn't. We didn't get really too much into it. Or you may have seen him on the Joe Rogan Experience. He's he's been on that several times too. Um, this might be my favorite interview so far. I mean, we we talked about everything from boxing, my boxing career, boxing in general, Mike Tyson. We talked about crazy things like uh, what would happen if I fought Joe Rogan. Uh, we talked about the first time we ever masturbated. How odd porn has become. We we I think we were just ran the gamut on this one. We talked about everything. It was absolutely crazy. Um, before I get too far into this, I just want to say, hey, if you are in the Nashville area, please take some time. If you want to, to, to listen to something funny, go to see a funny show or whatever else, go to Zany's Comedy Club. It's on 2025 uh, 8th Avenue South in Nashville, Tennessee. The zip code is 37204. Uh, give them a call. Go down there. Get your tickets. Check the schedule. Go out there and see some great comedians uh, at Zany's Comedy Club. Um, so, Holly, how was your weekend? My weekend was well. Well, did you run into Bucky Baseball or Willie Wallet? N neither. Neither? No. You changed your number on both of them? Those are, yeah. What? Yeah, we talked about that. Wait. They're not worth my time. Okay, so it's is there no it. nobody else? No new dates? No nothing? No, no new dates. Nothing. At all? Not at all. Not at all. Really? Really. So do, really. tell me about your, how did you spend Father's Day? Well, my family or my brothers and sisters got together for my dad. Um, got this great gift for him, and he didn't show up. He didn't show up. He did not show up. No, he would rather stay home and be by himself. Not to say he's a bad father, because he's a really good father. Oh. He's just getting up in age, and we should have gone to see him. You should have, you we think? Maybe? Yeah, we should have. We should have. Uh, so, so for my Father's Day, uh, I tried. My dad, my dad is like clockwork. You know, he every every. Uh, He'll go to church, and then right after church, he'll go to Frankie's Cafe in Little Rock. And I always, uh, you know, I, I knew that, so I called in at 9 o'clock in the morning. And um, uh, and I said, hey, I, I need y'all to, I gave him my credit card number. I said, I want you, when he gets into line to pay for his dinner or lunch or whatever, I want you to tell him, hey, your son's covered this. He said to tell you he loves you, and happy Father's That's Day. Sweet. Really sweet. Well, thank you. I, I can't really take credit for it. My wife thought of that. <laughs> but, 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 but. At least I was trying to execute it. So uh, they, you know, that happens, and then you know, a couple of hours go past, 
and it's way past lunch. And I'm going, my dad hadn't called me yet. This is weird. So I called him and I'm like, hey, dad, he said, happy Father's Day. And I'm like, happy Father's Day to you. So how was Frankie's? And he's like, well, um, it was good. Why? I was just like, well, anything special happen at Frankie's? And he's like, uh, yeah, Adam paid for our dinner. I said, Adam did what? See, Adam is my nephew. Uh, I have two nephews. I have Adam and, and Brandon. And apparently, I think, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Brandon went with them to Frankie's. And uh, I think Brandon went and tried to pay for the bill. And when they, when he did, they said, your brother paid for it. And that started the confusion. Way so, to go, Adam. Uh, uh, huh? Way to go, Adam. Well, you're right, right, right. And he wasn't even there. Uh, so to make to make a long story short, or make it longer, however you want to look at it, uh, I said, well, I paid for that. Um, they said, well, I guess maybe you and Adam both paid for it. So Brandon contacts Adam, and Adam said, no, I didn't, I didn't do that. And um, uh, he said, well, I guess you did that. And I said, Happy Father's Day. It was just, it did not go down exactly the way that I wanted it to. It was the thought. It was the thought, you know. It was and, very and, nice and, gesture. And kudos to Adam. And uh, kudos, to, and you. kudos to, to Brandon. And kudos to, uh, uh, you know, whatever. It just, it did not, it was not executed the way that I quite wanted it to. Uh, I think everybody had the best of intentions, but uh, my credit card was the only one that was hit. <laughs> <laughs> so that was how, that was how that that whole deal went down and then my father's day uh, we had all of the kids over at the house you know obviously and and i i cooked steaks for everybody and and uh you know me and michael played cornhole and uh we, we just we just had a great time eating and boy i ate so much i hurt i hurt myself i ate so much uh i did i felt you know i got i got <laughs> i got dad i had to put my dad pants on you know i was like sticking my hand down my pants trying to make room so i could breathe i was so full now those like uh like buffet pants no that would be warm-ups yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Where, where the dad pants yeah well i i don't know i just made that shit up i was just I was, well, are those like your basketball shorts yes okay yeah well i was and that was another thing i was wearing shorts and converse and my son thought that was absolutely <laughs> hilarious so he actually took uh, a picture of of my shorts and converse and snapchatted them and i caught him doing this and i'm like what are you doing he's like i'm sending this to my friends i'm like why would you do this and he's like because it's funny what was the caption? What was the caption? I don't know. He didn't let me read that. <laughs> I'm going to follow your son just to see what that caption was. Good luck with that. He's got me blocked on everything. He'll be like, yeah, look at Dork Dad. <laughs> that's right. That's ha- happy it. Dork Dad's Day <laughs> with your Converse and your shorts. That's that's probably how that caption went. Great. So Great. then uh, my wife and I are sitting there watching like one of the best episodes of Game, Game of Thrones ever. I don't know if you do watch Game of Thrones. Nope. Why? Why? Why would you not watch Game of Thrones? I don't have time to watch anything. Why? I just don't. I mean, my kids are in all type of sports, and I just really don't have time to watch TV. Did you watch the Cavs play? (laughs) (laughs) Did you watch LeBron James bring the championship home? That was almost like, you know... A heart pain is going soft. You shouldn't ask me a question like that. It went down that fast. Oh my! I don't have time God. to watch TV, but did you watch the cast play? Uh, uh? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Whatever. So, so you did, right? <laughs> I did. I did. See, I don't have time to watch I TV, did. but I can watch that stuff. Let me tell you that. what, LeBron James on the damn court. I'm gonna watch that shit. Hell yeah! I'm more of a uh, a um, 
Uh, Steph Curry fan. Uh, the, the guy that does the three-pointers? See, I know nothing yeah. about basketball. Oh, so he's the little white. Is he white? No, but he looks like my son. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't even know. I don't even know anything about basketball. I just know uh, I've heard about this guy shooting th- great three-pointers. Yeah, he's like awesome the modern-day uh, Larry Bird. I wouldn't give him that much credit, but he's pretty good. I hear he's better than Larry Bird. Uh, it depends on who you ask. Well, okay. All right. Well, anyway, right. so you got time to watch basketball, but you can't get your ass down to sit and watch some Game of Thrones. There's I, I, Something wrong with that picture is all I got to say. So we're sitting there watching this, and uh, all of a sudden uh, we hear, I'm like, what the fuck was that? And we hear, and I'm like, I look at my wife, she looks at me, and, and we're like, that sounds like a big cat. I'm like, it did. So I stick my head out the window, and we're hearing, and it's like three or four houses down. And I'm like, I think there's a like a cat stuck in a fence or something out there, but I can't see it. And then my wife's like, don't go out there. It could be somebody trying to trick us, <laughs> trying to get us to go outside, then get us. I like your wife. And I'm like... <laughs> I like the way she thinks. And I'm like, I, I would have never thought of that shit. And it's only because we're watching Game of Thrones that she would have right. ever thought of that. It's okay. She, you know, it's probably some, you know, Bolton trying to get me to come outside and take my head off. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, no, no, it can't be. So I, I go back down. We're still hearing, and it's getting louder and louder. Now it sounds like it's on the back porch. And I go out there, and I'm walking all around the backyard. See nothing. Can't find anything. It's freaking me out. So then I go back inside. And we, my wife texts the neighbor, and she's like, do you see? Do you hear the cat? Do you know? Yes, we hear the cat. We don't know where the cat's coming oh, from. Lord. This cat is so loud. We think it's in distress. What are we going to do? Oh, hell. And, I, and my wife's like, but what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, she gets a text. Oh, the little girl, the neighbor girl, is outside looking for the cat. I'm like, oh, my God, Jesus. This could be a bobcat. <laughs> This could be something really bad that could hurt her or somebody trying to get her outside to kidnap. It could be a Bolton trying to get oh, her. Goodness, no. So I went and got my gun. Oh, no. I went and got my gun. I put my gun in my pocket. I had it on safety because I was afraid I was going to shoot my dick off. And I, <laughs> I, 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 I went outside, and all of a sudden, I'm coming around the corner. I see the little girl with the light. I see the cat. The cat's a big-ass black cat, and it's sitting there. It sees me. It's in the middle between two houses, between me and her. She doesn't see this cat. I said, stop moving. I said, I don't know if this is a bobcat, and it's going to... She said, oh, shit, I didn't even think about that. This could hurt me. I'm like, it could hurt us both. Please do not move. I got a gun in my pocket. I will take care of us. Knowing good and damn well, I probably couldn't hit this thing with a, I would have probably shot us both. But but I didn't pull the gun. But, and then we got closer and the cat was just in distress. So it kept coming up for whatever reason. It kept coming up to this bush in our yard and, and, and like, would like aggressively so then we started thinking well is there is there kittens or something up underneath there is there something dead okay i can't smell got no sense of smell so i'm like does anybody smell anything dead around here and they're like no we don't smell anything dead we don't smell i said do is anybody hear any kittens no we don't hear any kittens i'm like oh god and every time i go near this bush that thing is and start running at me at the bush, scaring the shit out of me. Like, like if I didn't have two women around me at this time, 
I would have pushed out so bad, I might have shot the damn cat just out of fear alone. But I did. I just looked, and I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, there's something in this bush this cat wants. It's distressed, and I don't hear a kitten. I don't. They obviously don't smell anything dead, so we got to figure out what this is. We never figured it out. The damn thing. We took a picture of it and put it on Facebook. And like, does anybody know who this cat belongs to? It is driving us, it is driving us crazy. And, I mean, nobody responded. So we just had this cat rolling around the house all night like, Wah! My wife is like, should we take this thing inside? And I'm like, hell no, we ain't taking it inside. I do not know what it has. It could have ticks. It could have fleas. It, it, it damn sure don't belong to me. We just got rid of a dog that absolutely died. We're not going to bring on a cat because it don't know where to go. So that is how my father's day ended. Well... I will say I'm glad you didn't shoot your dick off. I'm glad I didn't shoot my dick off. I need that. You, you do it now. now How am now? I going to beat off without my dick? That, no, that's I, I bad. I can say I sell dicks for a living. What? Yeah. Yeah, I sell, I sell adult toys. Okay. So, with that being said, if you ever shoot your dick off, then I can, you know, I can sell you a replacement. Well, so, so, so even if I buy one of your fake prosthetic, <laughs> prosthetic dicks... Right? I, I ain't gonna feel shit. It, 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 but, but for your wife's sake, <laughs> she'd be like, "Hey, hey, honey. Um, as long as we're getting the prosthetic dicks and stuff, can you get a little bigger one? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? No, they come in all kinds of they sizes. They come in all sizes and colors. So, and so, so let's get a purple one that's like 12 inches long. What you think about that? Be like fucking Barney, huh? That's right. That's uh, right. No, kind of fun. no, I, I don't need a prosthetic penis at this particular point, and I'm never pulling. I hopefully, God willing, I don't ever shoot my penis off. That would be a bad thing. No, and if you do, call the mobile penis paddy wagon. What? That's me, the mobile penis paddy wagon. That is the name of your company. The I just, mobile... I just, that's what I just gave it. You, you, you gave it a name. Mobile penis. Mobile penis. Well, how did, paddy okay, wagon. so how did you get into selling fake penises? Hey, hey, that's, that's, that's another story. No, 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 it's just, it's, no, I just ain't got to know. Another story for you? How, how did, how did you get into selling okay, fake penises? Okay, so we came up with creative way, or were attempting to come up with creative ways to give bachelor at parties and bridal shower parties and just girls night out parties mm -hmm. so I we were at an adult bookstore and I've seen you know where women come and they do these presentations with all these types so I'm saying with my sisters maybe I should do that so that's where it came from so to save people the embarrassment of going to the adult bookstores, I am the adult bookstore. So that's where it came from, and that's why it keeps coming. That's right. That's oh, right. Shit. Yes, that's right. Lord <laughs> the slogan. Lord. See? That's where it came from, and that's why it keeps coming. Conda. <laughs> so, oh, oh, Lord. Yeah, that the, I can't even remember what you called it. The mobile penis paddy wagon. The mobile penis. Oh, Lord. See? The mobile penis paddy wagon. Come to us there. It is. I, no, <laughs> I, bought, I bought my wife a damn dildo and she chipped her too. Oh no, 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 no! Oh Lord have mercy! No See, for you then. Well, we can't figure out. Well, never mind. Never, never mind. mind. Let's get on to this interview with Tom Segura. Let's do this thing. <laughs> I'm a knockout fighter with a kick-ass band. That's why they call me the honky-tonk hit man. A knockout fighter with a kick-ass band. 
me the honky tonk hit man. Welcome to About Nashville with your host, the Honky Tonk Hitman, Mike Rogers. So what have you been doing since you've been in Nashville? <laughs> uh, mostly just shows, man, you know? I, I don't do that thing where, like, most people, you know, they, they have this thing, like, when you come to our town, like, what do you have planned? And it's, it's honestly, you know, nothing. Really? That's most, most comics are that way, too. Really? So you don't, you don't go, okay, fuck, I'm going to Chicago, I need to, I'm going to go do this, this, no. this, or I'm going here and I'm going to do this. You just kind of, like... Well, here's the thing that people don't realize is... I think because maybe because it looks casual, mm-hmm. like at the show, mm-hmm. that it maybe it looks like it doesn't take that much energy. Mm-hmm. But I think it takes a lot of energy. You know. Mental so are you focus. completely shot when after you do a, a, a show? Not shot like that, but it's like you know, you're basically you're talking solo mm-hmm. for an hour, and on most nights it's two shows for two hours, and you know. It's just like there's a certain amount of focus. Like I can, I can go out and do shit if I want to. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna take me down, but I just feel like I'd rather chill, kind of conserve my sure, energy, sure. and then feel up for it. You know, because yeah. you can feel very drained just by doing minimal shit. Like even like watching a, like going to a ball game. Mm-hmm. It's the stress of really, you know, going parking. Hey, am I gonna get back in time? Hey, you know, right. All that to me is like not worth the trade-off of just hanging out kind of staying in the general area yeah hotel. keep keeping your keeping your uh, yeah. focus staying yeah. in stay, keeping your head in the game totally yeah yeah, yeah. I, so I, I, with boxing and with country music I've, I've done a lot of road work and, and I get I get it now that you're saying it like that I guess I was probably you taking it too for granted saying that maybe it was too you know you're just kind of going out there you're yeah. talking and yeah, you kind of have all this free time or whatever else but I guess you do have to have, you know be in your head still most comics are like that like I've talked to most comedians like what'd you do when you were in Nashville they'd be like I did my shows and like you know I, sure most most of us will do something like go find a, a cool restaurant mm-hmm. so, you, so you go and you do that maybe once or twice but mm-hmm. Even then, most most comics will probably eat at the hotel. That, you know? <laughs> That's just how it is. Well, have you ever been to Nashville before? Is this your first time? Fourth time. Yeah. Fourth time. Yeah. And you always play right here. Yeah. Wow. So when when was the first time you came to to Nashville? Probably probably four or five years ago. I came as a supporting act. I was an opening act. Who were you opening for? Uh, Joe Rogan. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So I came with him. We did four shows. It was a Friday Saturday. Okay. Um, it was great. I mean, it was a great weekend. So was he a, a mentor of yours, or just a buddy, or? or? Yeah, like a, yeah. I mean, a, a buddy. Uh, I met him. I met him actually. I won a contest, and one of the prizes was opening for him. Really? Yeah, That's it was cool. Like some Bud Light, Maxim, Real Men of Comedy. <laughs> That's what it was called. And it was just like oh seven. Yeah, two thousand seven. So almost ten years ago. Wow. And then he brought me on the road. Uh, a number of times. I just became buddies and we've podcasted a bunch. And yeah, he's been a good, uh, 
you know, very supportive. So you, you're you're from Cincinnati, Ohio, right? And uh, I'm, I'm trying to do the math here. I think you're 37. That's right. And uh, that would put you graduating high school. Uh, let's see, 97. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying to do the math here. <laughs> um, so you graduated '97. That was actually the year I turned pro. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so you graduated '97, and and you, did you go to college? I did. Yeah, I went to college in North Carolina at a real small school called Lenore Ryan. Did, did you know that you wanted to do comedy at that time, or is this something that you grew into? Yeah, I did. I just thought that um, the comedy that I would do would be like acting based. Really? Yeah, I thought it would be like a. Will Ferrell? Comedic. Yeah, like like that type. Seth Absolutely. Rogen kind of guy? Yeah. I mean, I, you could still do that. Well, I mean, I, I've, I've never, it's not that I ever stopped wanting to do it. It was more that, that you know, stand-up became accessible uh -huh. and it became a job, so to speak. Sure. And even when it wasn't paying very much, it was still like, oh, I could earn money doing this. Uh-huh. Um, and then I would try to support, try to get the acting thing going you know, when I had time or, you know, on the side. And I've booked a few tiny things over the years, but stand-up was just more uh, of the thing that I I saw that was... Opportunity. Yeah, it was feeding me, and, you know, it was like, it was it was the thing that was providing, so I just kept doing it. And huh. I, but I've never stopped wanting to do the acting thing, you know. I mean, I have a, a pilot right now, really? so I'll definitely... In that, but it's a matter of you know. Are what, you the star of the show? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what is it called? Uh, we don't have it actually because it's still in the script phase, you know. But we'll shoot it for Your sure. Your mother's house—that ought to be the name of it. It should be the name of it, actually. It's not a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> so you heard it here first on About Nashville. Yeah. The pilot to Tom Skerritt's yeah. show is going to be your mother's house. Mother's house. Um, actually, I have no idea. What is it about? Um, I'm not supposed to say the full details, <laughs> honestly, but I can tell you it's medically based. Okay. It's a medical based comedy mm -hmm. show. I could see you as an EMT or something funny you like go. that. I you want know? your imagination. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be hilarious. Uh, you in the back of an ambulance or something like that. That would be just, that would be crazy. So, um, uh, so L.A. is the reason. You went to L.A. for basically for acting. That's, that's it's, Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, I went out there. I signed up for the Groundlings, which is like a mm -hmm. improv sketch comedy school. Mm -hmm. It's where Will Ferrell and all those, a lot of the SNL alum went. Okay. My idea, I thought, I was like, oh, I'll take that class and then I'll be on SNL. You know, like that was oh, like, yeah, right, right. And I just ended up falling into stand-up, basically. Did you ever try out for SNL? No, I mean, it never, and it never, you know, I, they have different levels uh, of, like, the school. Uh -huh. so it was like intro, <laughs> level one, level two, writing group, Sunday company, it, you know, all these. So by the time I was out of level two going to writing, to the writing lab, uh-huh. They call you for it, and I turned it down. And I go, no, because I'm working as a stand-up. Like, very introductory level working, but I got off time. And they go, okay, we call you one more time for writing lab when it comes up again. But after that, they don't call you again. It's like you, you like, in other words, if you pass on it twice, it goes away. And I pass on it the second time, and that was it. Okay. So I just never... You know. It almost sounded like Scientology, though. It's like, are you good? Oh, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of is. It kind of is. They have those, 
<laughs> it's a cult, you know? And yeah, yeah, levels in the cult. All the comedy schools are kind of culty, though. Like, there's really? UCB, Second City, uh, Improv Olympic. They all kind of, it's, I mean, some people, I think the best thing is to try, sort of try everyone out a little mm -hmm. bit. But there are people that are hardcore into each of those, you know? Who was your, who, when you, when you were growing up, who was your, uh, who did you admire? Who did you like? I love this the comedy of this person. I would wish I could do like that or I mean, be like that. Or it kind of it went through different phases, mm -hmm. probably like anything else. You know, I mean, the very first guy I remember watching was actually Cosby. Okay. You know, I mean, I remember watching that special of Bill Cosby himself. Mm -hmm. um, and then a little while later, it was Eddie Murphy. Oh, love you Eddie know, Murphy. Seeing like Raw. <laughs> I saw Raw way before I saw Delirious, actually. Really? Yeah. I mean, probably, it's probably an age thing. 89? Right? Yeah. yeah, that was when that one hit. Um, and then after that, uh, I mean, I remember going into the basement, because we moved around a lot. Uh -huh. It was a basement in, I think it was in Milwaukee when we lived there, and watching Def Jam, uh -huh. and uh, Martin Lawrence was the host. I thought he was just the funniest guy ever seen you know as that he was like it was so casual and natural uh -huh. the way that he would just none of it felt like material it was just like loose banter and uh -huh. he was so good at it and then a little while after that I think I got into Carlin and then right before I did stand up was probably explosion of Chris Rock with like uh, with Bring the Pain because uh -huh. that special was probably around like 96 or something mm -hmm. I think around there maybe 97, 98 I don't know how to look it up but I thought that was like this is the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life like, I, I really thought he was just a god and then I remember he came out with another special Bigger and Blacker so close after that and I was uh -huh. like there's no way this can be good because he just put out that one that was so good and that was without even knowing Santa and it was really good and I was like oh my god <laughs> like I was just losing my mind and then after I started stand up uh, Dave Attell I don't know if you know Attell but mm -hmm. he's a, a New York comic he's, he's played here for sure um, and he was just so so fucking funny that I remember getting his album and just being like, this is, this is like gold. I mean, I just, yeah. I couldn't believe how good it was. It's still like, it's a classic album. It's called Skanks for the Memories. <laughs> it's really, really funny. Uh, I, I still listen to Richard Pryor records. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, the thing about Pryor, it's funny to me, Pryor's like obviously a god. And, and yes. Stand -up. I never listened to him. Really? Never. And and not for any other reason other than my my assumption is just that it's, it's kind of, and it's the same thing with TV shows or movies or songs. Uh, One or two years of age can totally change what your pop culture influences. Sure, are. sure, yeah, and I get that. The other thing is that I've heard so many guys imitate, like do bad versions of him, mm -hmm. that if you hear that for 20 years and then you hear the original voice, kind of like yeah I know he just sounds like the other guys that have been yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Him, you know it's a like parody. yeah it's like it's weird it's like people kept talking about I remember Animal House the movie uh -huh. and I never saw it I saw it when I was 25 and I was like what's so funny about this I've still never seen it oh really really but the thing is if you were to see it now you've seen so many people you've seen so many movies you don't even realize that have sort of copied that blueprint yeah that yeah. when you see the original now you'll go 
This sucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. You've, you've actually seen people copy them. Yeah. So. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. But I've got a clip that I'm going to email you. Uh, it's about, it's it's Richard Pryor talking about boxing. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's that's what kind of drew me to Richard Pryor in the 70s when he start, when he's talking about um, Muhammad Ali and George Foreman and, and, and how he got into boxing. It is, I swear it's the funniest Oh, I thing. still think he's funny. I don't want to make it sound like I don't think he's funny. Yeah, it's yeah. Hilarious. I'm saying it wasn't like... It wasn't my direct influence. Like, I wasn't watching the special. Sure, you know, sure, I sure. saw a lot of the stuff later on. The only thing I ever saw in the theater was Live on the Sunset Strip, and I think I was 11 and snuck in 11? the theater. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was 11 or 12, and yeah, I snuck so in the funny. theater and and, and, uh, and and watched him. But, um, uh, you know, you, you, you tell some truths, man. Oh, before, I, I, you said something, and I wanted to come back to it. So I'm fixing to cast a new movie. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being facetious, but uh, mm-hmm. you know. But if I were going to cast this new movie, I think they ought to. As we were sitting here having this conversation, and I was sitting there going the other day, but who would play the other part? Who would play the other part? They need to redo Forty Eight Hours. Yeah. And obviously, who's going to play Eddie Murphy? Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Yeah, sure. And then. I think you would be a perfect fit for the Nick Nolte. Dude, I would love to do that. How freaking cool would that be? That'd be amazing, man. It would be amazing. 48 hours. And just yeah. re- reboot it and come out with you two guys. I think it would just be hilarious. That would be so good, man. It is. Yeah, it so still cool. holds up. It, it still holds up. It's really funny, man. You know, and a lot of those uh, movies like Beverly Hills Cop, the original, I mean, a lot of those still hold up today. And you're like, damn, he was... Why doesn't he still do comedy? Do you know that? I think, honestly, you know... He so conquered, you slay a beast mm-hmm. that hard, I don't know that you ever want to, or feel the uh, desire to. Because anything you do it. could diminish it what could, you've already done? It could, and maybe you're bored, maybe you're like, dude, I already, I, I killed that. Like, <laughs> he, first of all, I mean, I don't know if people realize this, Delirious, he's 21. No, I did not know that. He's 21 years old and Delirious. And if you don't know stand-up, I mean, there's really no really impressive stand-ups in their 20s. It's not, it's not common at all. And uh, the reason for that is just that, first of all, most people start doing stand-up maybe at really early, it would be like 18, 19, but usually they're in their 20s. Uh-huh. And you don't get decent at it for years. You know, it's a very long haul. To be 21 and do Delirious, which is just, it's like, it's a hilarious special. And then a few years later, you do Raw. You have, like, the two two of the biggest, most highly revered specials of all time. Sure. And then you start doing movies, and all your movies are hits. You know, I think he got bored of even doing movies. I don't think it's that he doesn't, uh, I think he's just bored, you know. Like, he wanted, probably felt like... I've done 20 versions of that movie. Right, right. Um, that makes sense. And I've got just swimming in money. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I think he started doing music again literally because he felt like, oh, that's interesting to me. Yeah. It's interesting to me to make music because I just, you know, I'm, I don't want to do that. They'd be like, why, why, why didn't Mike Tyson come back? Well, because anything he does at this particular point would diminish everything he's already done. Yeah. So yeah. I guess that kind of that makes sense. Speaking of Mike Tyson, um, uh you tell a funny story. My wife, I made my wife, uh, in, in the midst of uh, preparing for the interview, I made my wife watch your special. Mm-hmm. And it, it, when we got to that Mike Tyson part, I thought she was going to fall off the couch laughing. She, oh. she, <laughs> Tom, mm-hmm. 
Hey, Tom. <laughs> that was so funny. And the first time I met Mike uh, was in 1984 at the National Golden Gloves. Whoa. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was in St. Louis, Missouri. And I was there, I was tagging along with my dad, because uh, he, he had the team there, and I wasn't even old enough to compete in the Golden Gloves. Your dad was a My, my father is Ray Rogers. He's a, a Hall of Fame cut man. And uh, so, we're, we're, yeah, so he, he, he worked every single one of Tommy the Duke Morrison's fights, uh, Jermaine Taylor, the middleweight champion of the world, uh, Hector Macho Camacho, Iran Barkley, I mean, yeah. all, like on and on, all these big names. So when I saw that you had that series Cut Man on yeah, YouTube, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. And the irony is, as ridiculous as it was, there are people like that in the boxing world. That's why we made it. So that came about because my good friend Ryan Sickler is he's a big boxing fan. He's always really liked boxing, and he's a comedian. And we were watching, well, we had watched a couple fights. One time I came over to his house, and he pulled up his DVR. He goes, look at, look at this man, dude. Like, look at this cut man. And he had, like, buttons all over. He was like... <laughs> He, there's guys like this all in boxing, like, and he also, you know, we started talking about the corruption, in, like, it's, it's such a corrupt oh sport. god, yes. So all that is such rich fodder for comedy. Mm -hmm. So one day he goes, uh, like, I want to do a, a a comedy where I play a cut man who's <laughs> just, you know, has some weird shit, like maybe cures or trains people with this uh, like obscure like unorthodox things and then you can play the trainer and I'll be like yeah I'll be like a super violent you know, like over the top crazy trainer and then we wrote and we shot this short when actually you know we had some steam going with that thing for a minute because we cut it 22 minutes which is pilot length okay and we gave it and NBC Universal was somebody over there was into it we were really excited and then the writer's strike Came. Oh. And uh, like we didn't even hear from people after that <laughs> for forever. Then we wrote a full feature length version of of that. Oh really? Like, like, yeah, of a story and like some 120 page thing. But we just never, you know, got further. We didn't even really develop that. Everything kind of went in its own direction. Sure, sure. But um, it's still like between him and I, kind of our our passion project that we hope one day. We're able to make you know? Dude, you need to sell it to like Netflix or Hulu or somebody. It's ridiculous. It is. It is so freaking funny. I mean, it is. It is really good stuff. And 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 the characters somehow. I, I mean, I just. I don't know. I, I watched all the episodes. I, was I like, still love the, the the names we came up with for our two guys because his is a cut man. One's Harvel Jenkins. Harvel Jenkins. Harvel Jenkins. And then I'm a trainer named Teddy Loons. Teddy Loons. Which is like they're they're the two best names I feel like we've ever come up with for anything. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it was great. I mean, like I said, there really are people like that in, in, in the world of professional boxing where you have these guys that just think that they're going to go out and make a ton of money and they throw a towel on their shoulder and put some Vaseline on their hands and now all of a sudden they're, they're calling themselves a cut man. Oh, sure, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And like doing things, like, you know, and that thing where you put like shrimp over the guy's ears to like <laughs> calm them down. <laughs> and I also love the, it, it's not just in boxing, but you see it in boxing and other sports. A guy like Teddy, who is basically not technical, uh -huh. but just like angry and thinks that his anger means that he's a coach. You know what I mean? Like, there's guys who are like, just fucking hit him. And like, you're supposed to go, like, thanks, coach. Like, yeah, of course. You're just angry, dude. Like, you're just yelling at these guys. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not teaching them anything. 
Oh, I, I had a coach one time, and this is in the in the pros, and 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 this was, well, the 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 gym was right above one of these honky tonks down on yeah. Broadways. Yeah. So I, I came to town wanting to be a country music singer, and I ended up being a professional boxer. It's so nuts. It is. It is completely Wait, nuts. Did you get into it because of your dad? Is that how? It no, was? no, no, no. My dad. Did, I had ten pro fights before my dad knew it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And how old were you when you started? Twenty-seven. What? Yes. You had no junior. No, 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 no. Like... no. I, I fought amateur for fourteen years and won the state Golden Gloves five times. I but, knew how to fight. But that was that because your dad? Or all yes, of, yes, all of that was because of my dad. Okay, okay. So, but, but, so as I, yeah, I boxed from nineteen seventy-five to nineteen eighty-nine. It's so rad to know how to fucking box, man. Yeah, I mean, it really, it really was. But I knew, even in the amateurs, I wasn't world class. Yeah. You know, I was like. I'm good. I can fight. I can punch. But you know, you how, know. Wait, no. How did you? Because this, this is the stuff that's interesting to me. Okay. How did you know that you weren't world class? Was it because of you faced certain competition? Sure. And sure. Then you would, then that would I've never you. been knocked out in my life or anything like that. Uh -huh. But when you fight a world class fighter, yeah. you, they're just one step ahead of you. They're always like a little bit faster, a little bit stronger, yeah. a little bit, uh, you know, and, and, and you don't, it doesn't mean that you have to get blown out by them yeah. or anything. It just means that they're just a little bit better than you sure. and you know it. And I, I was self-aware and was like, well, uh, about the only thing I got going for me is I'm white. <laughs> like that's a good hook. And then, yeah, yeah, and, and 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 that was it. So I was like, okay, I really, I'm gonna get hurt. So I, I, I was like, I'm done. And then I started focusing on uh, acting. I started doing acting, and I started doing country music. And then I got an independent deal and started touring. Thought, okay, this is what I'm gonna do: country music. That's yeah. that's what I'm gonna do. And then the label that went down and then I came to Nashville in 1997 and I was living in my car because I had a pocket full of money I just didn't want to spend it you know I sure. wanted to figure out where I was going to go and there was a guy they offered me a professional boxing match they thought I was some homeless guy they didn't know that about my amateur boxing record they didn't know about the past or anything of that nature and uh, they were like uh, uh, you know, and it's been eight years since I boxed. I'm like, hey, you, you, you want to... Eight years? Eight years. Whoa. You know, I'm smoking cigarettes and yeah. drinking beer, and yeah. I'm like, I'm a honky-tonker this time. You know, and they're like, well, um, hey, uh, do you want to fight this guy for 200 bucks? 200 bucks? Yeah. I'm like, how many rounds? And they go, four? I said, well, what if I only go one? Well, you still get 200 bucks. I'm like, Psh. I'm in. All right, I'll do it. You know, and they stick me back in this room, dude. It was, it was, there was a place downtown in Nashville called the Mix Factory. Yeah. And every Tuesday night they had professional fights, and literally they took me into this room, and it was like nine other guys, and I, and I, and I was the only white guy, and, and they stick me in this room, and, and I'm looking at them, and they're looking at me, and I'm like, we all look homeless. And, and all of a sudden, this guy comes in. He goes, it's going to be $15 for your trunks, $15 for your boots. You're going to, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they weren't even taking, like the hand wraps that they were putting yeah. on everybody's hands, they were cutting them off and then putting them on the next guys and just retaping them. Oh, shit. We didn't even get fresh hand wraps. So I'm like, I'm not going to pay that money. I'm just going to go to my car and get my stuff. All right, we'll see what you got. So I went to my car into my, my, my luggage, my three garbage sacks, and uh, I, I pulled out some swimming trunks and tennis shoes. And I, I bring them back. So this is what I'm going to wear. I, I'm, I'm, I need all the money. I'm, I don't want to spend, you know, 30 bucks on renting something to look like a boxer to get beat up. And I said, all right. So uh, I 
what the hell am I doing here? So I put on these swimming trunks and tennis shoes, and I thought, well, if I'm going out, I'm going out like a, like a boss. And I put my cowboy hat on, and I'm starting. They put me in this chute, and you can hear the crowd thumping, boom, 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 and the, and the music blaring and everything, and you're in the chute waiting to come out. And Wait, like, can I ask you, did you go from the bar to this fight, or is there a couple yeah. of days? Like, no, no training, no nothing. So they just asked you... Yes. You want to fight this dude? Yes. And then, like, come with us? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. right. Professional boxing for you. Man. So, so I, I, I did, and I was sitting in this chute, and the doors open, and everybody starts screaming, and I look at the ring, and there's this six foot six black guy standing there. Six six? Six six standing there waiting on my little dumb ass to get up in the ring. And I'm like, oh, shit. shit. Yes, what have I done to myself? And as I'm starting to walk to the ring, you know, they're they're obviously realizing that I'm the opponent, and some guy yet, hey, you supposed to be the honky tonk hit man? I'm like, fuck you, dude. And as I get into the ring, the the announcer goes, ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, the honky tonk hit man. And I'm like, oh fuck, that's gonna be on my damn grave. And this was like in the moment. Yes. The moniker. In the moment. I there was like that's how the whole honky tonk hitman thing came about. Exactly, right? And then who are you fighting? I was uh I'd have to look at my record, but I can't remember the guy's name. But but he he was just some guy, some black guy, and I and I go out there and I I'm supposed to be the you know, feeding him the lions. And, uh, you know, he comes out there and he starts swinging wildly at me, trying to knock me out with every single Haymakers. punch. Haymakers. Trying yeah. to take me out with everything he had in every shot. So everything in your mind clicks, this guy's not a boxer, right? Like, no, no, it wasn't that. I, I, it, what clicked in my head was he was making a foolish mistake. Right. He was, he was trying to look spectacular, uh-huh. thinking that I'm going, go, going to go out there and embarrass him. Yeah. And, and so if he just knocks me out real quick, people don't know how bad I really suck, right. and then he looks like the you know the great champion. Right. And what happened was I went into a shell, mm-hmm. and it was like it started going off. I'm like, oh shit, I'm seeing openings here. Yeah. Wait a minute, I don't have the gas to go four rounds, but I yeah. I, I may be able to go around and see what we do. So I, I just kind of leveraged myself and came off to the ropes. Bam! Hit him with a right hand, and he fell like a tree. And I'm like, oh shit! That place must have erupted. Place went freaking ape shit. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm going, to, I'm going to the neutral corner, thinking to myself, this son of a bitch gets up, I'm dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he don't get up. And I'm like, oh damn! Give me my 200 bucks. That was easy money. I'm going home. Anyway, that, that was the start of my professional boxing. Career. That was the start. Of that it? was the start. Of it. How, how much longer did you fight? I fought 27 pro fights. I went 25 and two. Yep. Dude, that's incredible, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I got to be honest with you. Like I said, I knew I wasn't world class. In my second bout, I fought, and what I found out in all of this, so I, in the second bout, I went out there and uh, uh, hit the guy with the very next week, very next Tuesday, you know, uh, I went out there again, swimming trunks, tennis shoes, blah, 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 and bam, I'm hitting this guy on like some bombs in the first round. He's not going anywhere. I'm thinking, oh shit, you know, I don't have the gas to throw hard as I can mm-hmm. for four rounds, so I'm just gonna box him yeah. for four rounds. So I, I started landing a few shots. I thought, well, I'm just gonna, so I closed his eye and I bloodied his nose. And at the end of the first round, I sit down and I look over there and everybody, the promoter, the, the matchmaker, the everybody you could think, there was like 20 people in this corner screaming at him, like, this son of a bitch is homeless and you're letting him kick your ass, what the hell? 
So I, I was like, all right, hell, I, I better just like fight smart. Don't go out there and try to kill him with everything. And I did. And uh, four rounds go by. I'm thinking, I got this thing. That was easy. And then they gave him the decision. No. Yeah. What was Correct. it? It was, it, it, it was absolutely. It made it into a magazine. They're talking about this guy was fucking robbed. So um, I thought, okay, I'm going to end my professional boxing career at one and one. And I go back to the dressing room. And the former heavyweight champion of the world, Greg Page, and uh, the uh, junior middleweight contender, title challenger, Nick Rupa, came into my dressing room. And they were like, dude, you can fight. I'm like, well, I just lost. No, nah, you can fight. You want a job? We're going to offer you a job to come work out at our gym. I'm like, really? I came here to be a country music singer. I don't really want to you know, be a professional yeah. fighter. Would well, you have a job? No. Well, we're offering you one. Come on. I'm like, okay. I'll do this shit, I guess. So I just started showing up at the gym, and, I, and it was a Don King operation. And, and the way it was working was this. Um, they were cultivating cannon fodder for bigger names. And what I mean by that is you had a gym full of lions and lambs. And what I mean by that is you had broke down lions that used to be big names that were over the hill and trying to get a few wins so they can get another big fight. Or you had guys like me that they were going to feed a bunch of garbage to, run, to build up their record, then they were going to feed to a lion. Right. Basically, they were going to make me Peter McNeely. Right. And oh, I can't believe I just said that out loud, but I did. Anyway, um, uh, and I, I recognized that very quickly, and I'm like, oh, shit, I could get hurt. You know, and I didn't want to fight anybody hard or tough or anything. So to be honest, if I were to be dead honest, I mean, if, like, I, I, I guarantee you I have, have beat up on more taxi drivers than Uber and, 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 and more homeless people than Greyhound. So, like, if Greyhound or Uber had world titles, yeah. I would have been that guy, the Uber Greyhound world champion of the world. You're being modest. And, <laughs> You're being modest. Uh, but you fought professionally, man. It's incredible. It, 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 it was it, it, that incredible is a very loose term when you see the sport from that side. I, I, I get that too, and you know what? Boxing is one of the sports. I mean, in a way, every sport's like this. But I think boxing, especially, has had this. Um, it's this sport where it has. It's obviously declined as a major sport in recent years. Sure. Less popular than it, you know, than it used to be in the 80s and 90s even. Like, mm -hmm. that was, it was definitely, it's definitely seen a little bit of a decline. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the U.S. version, the criticism is because of a lack of a U.S. heavyweight star. Mm -hmm. Because apparently, Americans want, they don't care how good you are, they want you to be heavyweight good, right? <laughs> but, but I think it's really interesting that boxing is one of those sports that so many people watch and don't know shit about what they're seeing. You know? Like, yes. And and I, I knew that. I was I'm, very well aware of that too. I'm like definitely somebody who came to that awareness when I finally took boxing classes. Okay. Like I want I wanted to just I'm like I've always wondered why don't I take so I took some classes. Man, the first day after that class, I was like, I don't even know what I've been watching for the last 20 years. <laughs> you know, like you, there's little things. You right, don't, right. You start seeing uh, a skilled boxer so differently if, if you're kind of knowing what you're doing. Sure, sure. And I'm by no means an expert by this point, but you just start watching things like footwork. You're watching things mm -hmm. like watching a guy basically bait another uh, yeah, guy. Yeah. You start seeing countering differently. because. Before you know that, you're just like, this dude's going to kick this dude's ass. Yeah, and yeah. And you think that that's, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. boxing, like, fucking hit him. <laughs> and you 
everything, but then when you take a couple of classes, man, and then, oh, also, the total change of respect you have for the conditioning of a boxer. Oh, yes. Oh, my Christ, man. Like, yes. Even now, I'm horrifically out of shape, but I have a heavy bag, mm -hmm. and, you know, a couple rounds, if you go three minutes of just tagging that thing and, you know, throwing different combos, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going to die, you know, <laughs> like, and, and you see these guys going 10 rounds, you're like, Jesus, 12 round guys? All right. That's, it's, it totally changes your appreciation of it, man. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. like, you, you being a pro, I, I'm just in awe. That's just crazy. It, it, it was, it, it was a fun time in my life. I fought pro for five years, and, and to be honest with you, uh, this is my Joe Rogan, uh, uh, not really, sort of. The guy that I fought for the WBF Cruiserweight title, uh, his name was Art Jimerson. Mm -hmm. And you may know, I don't know if you follow UFC. But I follow it casually. I'm not a hardcore guy. But. Art Jimerson was the, when they had the very first UFC, um, it, it was a different than it is today. Back then it was like, you know, more of a wild, wild west. It was like, we're going to take somebody from jiu-jitsu, somebody from boxing, somebody mm -hmm. from karate, somebody from wrestling, see and see who yeah. wins what, you know? And he re and Art Jemerson represented, he was a professional fighter, uh, former National Golden Glove champion, uh, very, very respected fighter, and he represented the boxing category. And ironically, the first person that he met up with was Hoist Gracie, uh, which was <laughs> a terrible matchup, but uh, he, he, he came, he he went into his fame because he wore one boxing glove and one hand wrapped. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all over the internet, all over YouTube, and he's now one of the legends of, of UFC. Uh, he actually trains uh, the boxers today in L.A. on hand-to-hand -hand combat on how to how to do stand-up. Uh, so he goes in there with one boxing glove, one hand wrapped to, to, to battle Hoist Gracie. Obviously, that was a terrible idea. We actually joked how about it. How big was it? Like how it, it went for like a minute and a half, two minutes or they something. They kind of like circled, around. you know, and, he, and, he, and, yeah. and Hoist respected his hands. So he realized he wasn't going to be able to do that. So he shot and took him down. And then it was, that was, over, it, was pretty, yeah. it was over pretty quick. Cause well, I've heard, I mean, I've heard Joe say multiple times that, you know, that we all, back then, it was like, what what is the superior uh, martial art? You know, mm -hmm. everybody's like Kung Fu, Karate, like everyone had their... The school that they came from, mm -hmm. was, and we know now that it is jujitsu. Yeah, so absolutely, jujitsu, absolutely. But yeah. but but also, you know, you can be. There's also variables that go into that. You know, um, I will say this: if you take an expert, you know, your Conor McGregor's or your yeah. Floyd Mayweather's or yeah. whatever else, and you say, you know, that people are saying now, hey, what do you think about Conor McGregor this fighting Floyd dumb, Mayweather? That is the dumbest thing. It's this argument because if you go, if, is it, if it's a straight boxing match, Floyd Mayweather, not oh, even close, not even close. Like, it's just stupid. And <laughs> yes. then if it's an MMA bout, not even close. Yeah, it's just McGregor what, will beat him like he broke in a church. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. it will. It, it, I don't get it. I don't understand what the fascination is. It, it's like saying. Okay, let's see this rugby team play this football team. Right. What? In what sport? Football? Okay. <laughs> right. The football team will win. So. Right. So I don't get that yeah. aspect of it. You know, because they some people, some of them, you know, they get they, their fandom just overwhelms them, mm -hmm. and they go like, Nah, but he's more of a badass, so he'll he'll win. Well, he's not going to win at that other thing, man. Right. Right. His sport, but he's not going to switch sport. It's just not. I mean. The only way Conor McGregor would beat Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match would be 
some freak. Oh yes. my God! Moment. Yes. But yes. It's not because he's a better boxer. Right. Not, right. Right. You know, like he can't. Right. Now Ray Mercer had a moment like that in the UFC, uh-huh. where they he got in with a former UFC heavyweight champion. And I don't now. I don't know if they had agreed not to do certain things, or if there was certain, you know, uh, restrictions put on. But it didn't last long. It lasted like 30 seconds, and the guy tried to rush Ray Mercer, and Ray Mercer just bam hit him right across the chin, knocked him graveyard cold. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, there are. See, exceptions. by the way, I know we're jumping everywhere. Did you see Herschel uh, <laughs> Walker get into UFC stuff? No. You didn't see that? No. Dude, you should see what this dude's physical condition is right now. He's a beast. He is a machine. <laughs> and it, he looks he looks 22 from the neck down. I mean, he's just fucking yoked. And I mean, I don't know if he's any good. I, don't th- I think he's just alright. But he's like 50-something and Battling dudes in like amateur, like you know, June, like amateur. Okay, so he's not. Is he trying to go to USC? Is he trying? I don't to know. Do that? He probably, I'm sure. Is, I, I think I don't even know if that dream is still going because this is something he was doing like a year ago, mm-hmm. two years ago. But I know that um, you know the average dude would definitely get his ass kicked. By <laughs> like, I don't know, man. By the way, have you? So when you were fighting, and you're a Nashville guy, and mm-hmm. you know you're knocking a few drinks back. Have you ever had a bar and someone tries to start shit with you? All, all the time. All the time. All the time. And, and well, and I, but I learned how to deal with it very young um, because I would I was I'd been fighting since you know I was a little bitty kid, so um, I never the the problem with me is I don't I'm not an intimidating looking character. Right. You know I. Um, but I can fight, and, okay. and everybody knew that, so they were like, well, he kind of looks like, he looks a little sweet. He looks, you know, yeah. I, I think I could whip his ass. I think, you know, and so I, I found oh, a way. So it was always people who knew they were talking to, like they knew where you were. Sure, Okay. sure. It, it's one of those, I don't care who it is. You walk in the room, and I don't know, this may be all men, or it may just be men that are in this type of profession, but you start sizing people up real quick. It happens on a certain it happens either consciously or subconsciously. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it's a primal you, you, thing. Yeah, I, I'd agree. You start looking at somebody, you start going, okay, now if this happens, I need to do this or I need to consider. I think Where's I can take exit? this. Yeah. Exactly. Or I might need to take yeah. off running or whatever else. Uh, I kind of felt that way one time when Shaq walked into the room. I was True. like, Jesus Christ, this guy is big. Yeah, man. But um, uh, so yeah, I learned to, I just started learning to talk my way out of it, you know, to because I didn't, I, I wasn't afraid. But I was always getting in trouble for fights. Like yeah. people would fuck with me, and I wouldn't back down. And I would just beat their ass. And then uh, I was like, okay, I need to curb this. So by the time I was in high school, I was figuring a way that if there's a persona and a and an expectation that comes from it. So then I just started playing into it. Instead of fighting, mm-hmm. I would just play, and I just look at them, and go, "Is this really something you want to do?" Really? And then and then that scared the fuck out of them. They're yeah. like, "Well, maybe I don't really want to do this." Sure. You know, so I started playing into that, and, and, and then as I got older, and I started showing up in the newspaper and on the radio and things, yeah. people were like, "I think I can kick this guy's ass." Sure. And you're in the I, first thing I would do is I would like, "Hey, do you do you want to? Uh, hey, can I buy you beer? Let's talk about this, man. No big deal. Let's, let's you know." And it got to a point. Wait, they, you would say this to them? Yeah. After they said, "I want to fight you." Yeah. And you're like, I would okay. try to do everything I could to, to you know, and, and I and there were a couple of times where I sent a couple of guys to a hospital when you couldn't, you know, get it to go down. Mm-hmm. 
and I ran. I obviously though didn't. So if they were like, I want to kick your ass, mm-hmm. and you're like, let me get you a drink. Yeah. And then you go, you sure you want to do this? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've had that happen. And they, these are people who obviously, see, this goes back to it, like have no. People that can fight don't want to fight. You, exactly. You, you learn to fight so you don't have to fight. And also, people don't realize the difference between trained fighters, like mm-hmm. somebody who's whose job and, and like uh, innate response to things is stuff that you think about and it's just a reflex. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody, I remember when I was 14, I went up to it, they were like, oh, so this guy named Rocco uh, is a boxer. He's 19, I'm 14, it's like a baby. Right. I go, oh, you're a boxer, man? And I went like this, like hands to my face, mm-hmm. and he threw a hook into my like my stomach <laughs> and I, like, I started crying <laughs> but I it took me a long time to realize that I think he, even then when I did that it was a reflex to him like he saw somebody sure raising their hands like that's not to you shouldn't you know he could have known better right. but I really think he didn't do it because like he wanted to hurt me as much as he saw me go like this and I was like bam just like threw a punch at me sure. immediately um, and like somebody was <laughs> saying how you know they're, they're like they, you look unassuming or nice uh, how much do you think that uh, Golden Boy, uh, what is his name? Oscar. Oh, yeah, Oscar De La Hoya. I'm sure, yeah. For, still, people are like, that dude. Yeah. Look at that smile. That dude will whoop your yes. fucking ass. <laughs> he is an assassin. That dude will tax yes. your ass. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure he's had all kinds of guys say shit like, I'll fuck you up. He's like, okay, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you have no idea what you're getting into, man. Absolutely, like, absolutely. And, 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 you know, your buddy Joe Rogan, he... He is a very, you know, oh before before he got all the tattoos and everything else, back, back when he was on Fear Factor or whatever. He's a national champion, man. Absolutely. He will beat your ass. He's a national champion. He's a black belt jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah, yeah. And he is strong as a fucking ox, man. I, I would I would completely, I would have tried to talk my way out of it or just take off oh, he, running he, full sprint. You know, you, you take away maybe like top tier elite guy, like professional dudes mm-hmm. and a couple others, I would say... Nobody, you do not want a piece of that man. I wouldn't either. I, w- I would wouldn't want to fuck with him, and I would laugh at all his jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's 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 a real deal, man. That dude's a savage. <laughs> oh my god! Speaking of primal instincts, you were talking about something the other night about how women uh, uh, will never be as sexual as men, and right. I am a hundred percent. I was like, that is the truth. It's 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 one hundred percent the truth, man. It's 100%. It's the, uh, you know, it's, it sounds super cliche to, to address it. It's the whole thing where, like, so, not everyone, but so many guys can have non-emotional sexual experiences. And most women don't do that, you know. They get a, it's, it's an emotional Sure. Thing. Guys, we have this poison running through our veins and our, and our bean bags. And, like, <laughs> It makes you do, you know, it makes you crazy. you got to get it out somehow. <laughs> Dude, I, the, the, you know, I, when you were saying that, I was sitting there thinking about the first time I ever masturbated. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, when you show me a woman that has ever tried to hump a, a Welch's grape uh, uh, jar. She's out there. <laughs> She's out there. <laughs> I'm like, okay, then you might, you, you might have, that, that was, that was my experience. We, we, we were in a shop and, you know, the, it was at eighth grade and all the guys were talking and I never masturbated, didn't know anything about it. And, and, uh, but I wanted to know what a woman was like. And this guy was like, I'm telling you right now, just cut a little hole in a watermelon and fuck it. And it's just like real pussy. <laughs> 
I know, right? I'm from Arkansas, so thank God he didn't say cow or, or yeah. fucking something. Or, but so and I go, and my parents leave the house. I'm like looking all around for a watermelon, though we didn't have it. So I found a right Welch's grape jar of jelly, and I take that into the to the to the bathroom, and I start trying to hump this jar of jelly, and, and uh, I was like, damn, I don't have enough dick for this thing. It's too wide. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I kind of gave up on it and everything, and then, and then later my dad, you know, he came home and he's, he's yelling, Michael, get in here! And I ran in there and he said, what the hell you been doing in here? And I and pulled, you know, he's sitting there by the tub and the whole freaking tub is dyed purple. Purple. And I'm like, oh shit. What did you tell him? I told him I was finger painting. <laughs> I told him I was finger painting and he just gave me this dumb look like, what? Why are you finger painting in the shower? I'm not going to ask any more questions because yeah. I'm fucking scared now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and if I, if I would have thought about it, I would have gone into my, like, Eddie Murphy voice and been cool about it and gone, I was finger painting, damn it. Yeah. And buy me a goddamn watermelon. But, <laughs> but, but I didn't. I just, I literally just looked like a, you know, like I was, like, uh, guilty. He knew I was guilty and he yeah. didn't call me out on it. I, I jerked off so much. <laughs> Especially in like, in like middle school and high school, so much. And I used to do it into my boxers. And I would throw the boxers under my bed. So I had one. They were like, "Where are your boxers? Where are you? We don't." Have, I had like twenty boxers under my bed, all crusted. Over. It was so bad. But you know what? Here's the fucking the reality of this too. It's so funny. You know, I talk about that. Um, like you know, because guys, I feel like. They just go, I just need to clear the pipes and I can think again. Right? Like, <laughs> that doesn't happen really to women. And then, you know, women do get usually more emotional mm -hmm. about sex. But I'm actually a combination of the two because, yeah, I want to clear the pipes, but every woman that I ever slept with, I was like, I love you. <laughs> I was totally like the attached one. <laughs> do you want to get together tomorrow? They're like, no. <laughs> and I tell you this, I have a little bit of experience now, and I've never fucking felt a woman that felt like a goddamn watermelon ever. No, never. I don't know what that this was kid was talking about. Terrible description. You listen to anything when you don't know. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Back then, we didn't have internet or anything like that. We had mag. Well, I don't know. You might have, but we had magazines. Oh, we yeah. weren't even good magazines. We were looking like PJ. You know what a JP Penn or what, what is it? Yeah. J, uh, J. C. Penney's and all that other kind of crap. Oh yeah, yeah. You're yeah. lucky if you could get a Playboy or it's a. It's so hustler. funny that like it's kind of it's kind of sweet that that is what used to arouse us. Is <laughs> like like just like lingerie, your bathing suit. Right. Like, oh my god. Now we need now bondage and chains and shit. It's so hardcore, man. It's so <laughs> intense. Like, and it, it's kind of sad, right? Because like a kid now, they have so much access. And yeah. The first thing they see is like a blow bang. And they're, they're, <laughs> And they think that's like, oh, that'll probably happen. Next week. Like, nah, dude, that's not normal shit. It's like vomiting. Yeah, that I don't. There, I will have to say, porn has gone into a direction that is like freaky. Like I don't. Like I'm, I'm watching it, and, and I'm going, why are you gagging that woman? Yeah. What the hell is wrong with you? What? I know. What did you like purposely? I asked a guy one time who works in, in that industry, mm -hmm. and he goes, everything you see 
is because there's a market like people are asking for that like oh my you don't God. see things that people are not getting off on so the reason that it looks so depraved and aggressive <laughs> is because people are, are craving it they're like oh my god step on her head make it more aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> you're like jesus man and see it's all once again we go back to what is the what is the common denominator Men. Yeah, yeah, it's all men. Women aren't fucking going in there and no. saying, hey, by the way, can you show there's, me some men stopping now, on girls? Now there's a new uh, genre that popped up recently, mm-hmm. which is porn for women. And I've, you can find it. You, you just search it. It's called it's, Nicholas Sparks. Uh, dude, it's so much more normal. It's like you see the couple. Like it shows them like kind of hanging out and being <laughs> playful. So, yeah, and it's like all sweet. And they're still <laughs> hardcore you know, full penetration sex in it, but there's no, like, abuse. It's like, oh, it's pleasant. Everyone's smiling and like, having a good time. Yeah, that's the difference between us. Our, our, our brains are way more sick, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, have you heard from Mike anymore? Here's the funny thing. I, uh, so, Tyson, the, the story I told in the special, uh, you know, in the special, I, I tell it, it ends with him hanging up on mm-hmm. me. The next day he came to my shows, uh, which is like a story I'm telling now. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we hung out in the green room for about an hour. And uh, it was, which uh, amazing thing was, if you had told me I was going to hang out with Mike Tyson in the green room, I probably would have been like, I'm going to ask about this and this and this. <laughs> you know, like things like sure. that. Sure. Nothing came into my head. You know, I was just like... You're awesome, man. Just, <laughs> Were you just starstruck? Pretty starstruck by him, yeah, yeah. And, like, we talked boxing, which was kind of cool, and fights, and, um, you know, he was real honest about, like, how it's not really that into watching a lot of fights. You know, he just, mm-hmm. it's like that whole world is kind of foreign to me now, and it was a really interesting conversation. Um, then I, here's how dumb I was. I was talking to him about training. I was like, yeah, I was telling him the same thing, like, took some boxing class. He goes, you feel like your heart was going to pop out of your chest? And I go, yeah. I go, you know who used to train so hard instead of being like you? Mm-hmm. I go, Roy Jones Jr. And he's like, yeah. But he's looking at me like, how about me, motherfucker? <laughs> I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> so he was like, all right, man, you've seen my videos, right? I'm like, yeah, 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 you know. So I got a uh, useless trivia question for you. What? Uh... Who are the only two mics Kevin Rooney worked the corner in world championship fights to win? Dude, I don't know. Mike Tyson? Uh-huh. Mike Rogers. Yes. Really? Yes, sir. Kevin Rooney? Yes, sir. Yes, no sir. Shit. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And it was it was a surreal experience having him in my corner uh, and, and for that fight versus Jimerson. And by the way, when I fought Jimerson, uh, he was past his prime. And and uh, I did beat him for the title, but if if he had been in his prime, he'd have beat me to death. So there you really? have it. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm I'm smart enough and, and honest enough to to, to tell that. Um, Seeing like running into him, you know, it's he's so much. He's so larger than life. It's yeah. Like one of those freak things that, and that's the only reason I spoke to him. I initiated the conversation just because You're, in you my head I really go like, you'll never be seated across the aisle from Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? Like, it's sure. so unlikely. Sure. That's why I started a conversation with him. And anyways, after he came to my fight, we hung out. I figured I'd never see him again. And then I go with Joe to some UFC, like, 
I don't know, man, six, nine months later, mm -hmm. and he's about four seats away from me. So <laughs> oh, wow. I get up between fights, and I go up to him. <laughs> he's with his wife. You know, I'm trying to be respectful. I don't want to bother him, but I go, I tap him on the shoulder, and he kind of looked up at me, and he goes, you know, like, stuck out his hand. Like, he just thought it was, like, someone saying, I'm a fan. So I kneel down, and I go, hey, man, I don't know if you remember, but... Uh, he came to my show and he was like, oh yeah. <laughs> and he gave me like a big hug. Gave me a big hug and like kept sh grabbing my shoulder. Like I felt like I was two years old. He was like <laughs> patting me on my head. And uh, yeah, we met on the flights. Like, yeah. uh, so that was like seeing him again, which was kind of cool, you know. Did he ever mention Kevin Rennie? In our conversation? Mm -hmm. Ever. I'm trying to think, man, because you know we definitely talked about cuss for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if he, he ever mentioned it in our conversation. Cause, cause I, I, I did. I asked Kevin. I said, you know, look, it was kind of weird because their relationship, their dynamic that they had, was powerful. Like, like if you remember them back in the eighties. I remember he he made up with Teddy like a year ago, a year and a half. Oh, really? Now yeah. that was a relationship I thought would never at get a, fixed. Had a, a fight. Really? On camera, you can see it. I wonder if it was like just for the camera. No, I don't think so because it was like pre-event. Like it was a camera happened to be rolling. Oh, okay, it wasn't okay. Like a manufacturer. Yeah, that was there was some serious hardcore feelings. And Tyson went over to him and like apologized. You can, it's pretty cool. You can because it, it's from a distance. You yeah, know? I'm surprised Teddy accepted it and, and was mad. I think you know, 20 years or whatever, however long it's been. 30. 30. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, Rooney replaced Atlas. Right. So, so I, you know, <clears throat> I asked, I asked. Rooney, I said, you know, do you ever do you ever talk to Mike? Because they had such a dynamic relationship. Dude, he would kiss him on the fucking mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> between rounds and then go out there. Yeah. I'm like, no wonder the son bitch is knocking everybody out. He's pissed off because some grown goddamn man just kissed him in the mouth. Yeah. I'd be pissed off, too. But but they had that, that, that uh, unique relationship. So I said, I said, hey, man, do you, do you ever talk to Mike anymore? Do you, you know, what's, what's that whole deal? And he literally, it was like I brought up an old child of his or like a, like, like a long estranged child that he had had or whatever else he, he literally just had this look like no he, he said it he said no I, I haven't heard from him in a while I, you know and I, I could just tell he that hurt. he, he yeah. was hurt and he wished that he had yeah. because I, I think I would love to see those two guys back again you know and just sit down and talk and, sure. and hang out and yeah. I think that would be a great like show on HBO you could show you know the bringing those two two guys back together but anyway you got a couple shows to do here i'm running into your time uh, so what uh what, what are you where are you playing from here on out man i got a bunch of road dates coming up you know so um i keep them all on my website tomscura.com but I'm, i know i'm in west nyack new york next week and then i have a couple weeks off and i have cincinnati san diego and st louis next month Oh wow! So you are all over the place. It's you are right. you're you're a you're a road dog. I'm road dog, dude. All there you way. go. And then uh, and you, how do you how do you find? Because your your show, your mother's house, is absolutely you you take that to a whole nother level, man. Yeah, I mean you know it's it's this thing where it started off with us. We would find things that amused us or were fun. My wife and I do it together. I know. She's, yeah, she's hilarious too. Yeah. So her name's Christina Krzyzewski. But so at your mom's house, we. Um, we would find things, and that would just be like one element of our show, you know, which it still is. It's like, you know, we try to talk about things going on in our life, and then we, we talk about uh, all this, like, online footage. Mm -hmm. But now the audience is so into what we're doing that they have become basically our unofficial 
researchers submitted. Like they sent oh, us. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. So they're always like our inbox is it's like fifteen thousand emails right now. Uh -huh. You know, we can't even keep up with the amount of emails that come in. But we have a full time producer now. Red Band. Yeah. No, Red Band's our original producer. Okay. Now we have Blue Band. We named him Blue Band. So <laughs> Juban? Blue Band. Yeah, Juban. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, he is Juban. Um, so he has to, like, filter through stuff uh, just because it's just it's too much. Golly. Yeah. So I, I was watching a clip on there the other day, and I swear I, I thought I was going to spit coffee right out through my nose. Your wife was talking about, you know, movie stars or something, and she said, yeah, uh, oh, Angelina Jolie is just so beautiful, and, and uh, Brad Pitt is, you know, pretty, and Ryan Gosling, I'd suck his, and you said, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, it was just so off the cuff that I, I was like, oh, my gosh, that was hilarious. She, yeah, she's hilarious, man. And so check out the podcast. Your mom's house. Your mom's, your mom's house. Damn it, check out your mom's house. We have... Uh, I don't know why I went in that voice, but that's no, great. <laughs> Three hundred forty-eight episodes up. Right? Really? Yeah. I. That's awesome. Uh, how long have you? When did you start it? Twenty ten. And you do one episode a week? Yeah, I mean, at first, when it first started, it was less, you know, official and less like of a. It's a full-time gig now because there's ads that are pretty like you have to run a schedule you know mm -hmm. so at first we would do one we're like hey next month we should do another one like that kind of thing <laughs> sure now it comes out every tuesday night so what was your reasoning for starting a podcast rogan he, oh, really he, he wasn't i'm saying i didn't do it because he he was every time i saw him after he met my wife he's like dude your wife is legit funny why don't it's like two married comics you should do a podcast and i was like all right he kept saying it to me uh-huh one day i just went home and i go you know Joe said we should do it. Um, I think. Do you want to try it? Mm -hmm. She was like, "Okay, yeah, we'll try it." And that's how it started. That is cool. Yeah. And we just after we started doing it and kind of found a groove. It uh -huh. just, you know, kept going. We just that is awesome. So we we are we are to the end of this podcast. Thank you guys for listening out there. Hey, could you end this thing and say, "Dream big, everybody." Dream big, everybody. Yeah, dream big. Damn it. <laughs> the hell? I don't know why I'm going into that voice. It feels good. <laughs> it feels good. That's like something.